yesterday after kicking lots of stones, raising lots of questions about the church and that represents those questions that represent the history of the church, I was left afterwards feeling like there's all these questions and where are the answers? And I didn't feel very good about that. And then my brothers began answering them. Brother Dan, Brother Norman, Brother Sam began answering all those questions all the way through until I was feeling better and better and better. And then after Brother Norman's message this morning, it's like, okay, now I'm ready. I'm satisfied. Some very good, solid answers to those questions. God was at work. Thank you. The topic of evangelism, I guess that's something that to me is a deep passion. And I think it's a very, very important question. And I suppose it goes, I thought, well, do I talk about devotionally? Do I talk inspirationally? Do I talk practically? I'm going to go practical. We don't have a lot of time. We're going to go out there tomorrow. We need to go to work. So I hope to give you some things that I have found that from my perspective are helpful. I can remember being in China and a young Chinese sister came up to me those dark eyes were piercing and there was something urgent and there was red rims around her eyes and there was tears in there and there was some kind of urgency in her as she looked up at me and she says, thanks you, thanks you, thanks you. You come to my country and you tell my people, believe Jesus. You know what it means to somebody who's never heard the gospel to hear it for the first time? And to believe Jesus? We heard a fantastic message this morning. A gospel message of what God did. The perfect sacrifice being Jesus Christ. And we know what that feels like. We know what it feels like to... to... We were that unlovable lamb. old dirty sheep, I guess, out on the South 40. And why would Jesus hug us? Why would he do it? Has anybody in here ever hugged a leper? Some? Okay, I thought maybe there would be some who have. It, it, the first time, the second time is not quite so bad. The first time you hug a leper, it's a strange sensation because I can remember the first time I hugged a leper. It's this old man and long fingernails and he's filthy dirty and he wouldn't touch. He stayed away from everybody because nobody would touch him. He was repulsive to look at. Broken limbs and just to look at him was like you know you don't want to embarrass him or yourself kind of avoid looking if you can and he smelled bad there's rotten flesh and this man the thing he longed for most I was told was human touch his family would not touch him nobody would touch him and I was with a doctor who said it probably is okay there's not no risk but we're presuming he's taking his medicine probably it's okay and I remember the feeling of looking at him, smelling around him, clutching him to my heart, his heart against my heart, and feeling his fingernails wrap around me and pull me, and his fingernails dug in, and I could feel them breaking the skin on the back of my neck, and I could imagine little leprosy germs entering my bloodstream. <laughs> How do you love through that? How do you do that? Oh, I didn't get it. I'm thankful for that, but... How do, you, how do you hug a leper? What does it feel like to hug a homeless person? What does it feel like to be hugged by Jesus when we weren't very lovable? 
he did hug us. He did hug us. And he wants us to go out. And I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons that we might evangelize. There's obedience. There's just a love for sinners. There's a love for Jesus Christ. There's obedience. There's a lot of reasons. One thing is that I think is really useful too is if we're facing depression, fear, temptation, those kinds of things, I don't think there's much better cure for it than just go out there and tell somebody about Jesus. It just takes us back to where we are, where we came from, to realizing Jesus is hugging me. And you know what? If you have some of those lonely times, I think it's okay to say, Jesus, can you just hug me? I don't feel it. I have a good friend. His name's Alex. And one time he was having some struggles in his life, and he prayed. He said, Lord, can you just show me how much you love me? Can you just show me how much you love me? And nothing happened. Second day went by, nothing. He prayed. Third day went by, nothing happened. He was getting ready to leave for another country, and all the little children were gathered around. He was a kindergarten teacher, and so he told him, he says, well, I'm, I've got to go away on this little trip and everything, so I'm going to tell you goodbye. And he sat down in a chair, and as he sat down in the chair, one of the little children came running up, and another little child came running up, and all of a sudden, the whole classroom full of children came up and started hugging on him, and one of them said, in their broken English, said, I love you, Alex, and then more said it, and they all started saying it, and Alex said, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Alex, this is how much I love you. And can we be the words of Jesus, the voice of Jesus to, to a leper, to a, to a homeless person, to a little orphan? Has anybody held an orphan? Yeah, many of us have orphans. You know that feeling? You know that feeling when they cling to you and they don't want to let go? And you don't want to let go. But, well, you've got life in America, you've got to live. What do you do? We're all orphans. We're all just adopted. The thing that burns inside of us. And there's something, though, that doesn't want to do it. It's just it's like we're afraid of it. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm kind of a timid person by nature. And who wants to hear me? There's this giant of fear that's out there somehow. And, and I wonder sometimes, what is it that we expect to go wrong? If you tell somebody about Jesus, if you somehow just take a chance and put it out there and tell them, well, what's the, what do you think is going to go wrong? Any ideas? Yeah. They, you. they might despise you. Okay. They might despise you or not like you for telling them the truth. Here's the next question. Have any of you ever experienced that? Somebody despised you for telling them that? You have experienced that? Okay. The relationship between me and that person isn't very good because they can't look at me the same okay. way. Okay. So that can happen. That can happen. Okay, so that's very real. Any any others? Worst yeah? You've lost friendships for sharing Jesus. Yeah. And that can happen. Okay. So those are bad things that can happen. What else? They just don't believe you. And that doesn't feel good. when People don't believe you. And it's not just that it doesn't feel good. It's don't you get it? Don't you get, don't you value that sacrifice? There's a pain and hurt that goes with it. So yeah, there, there are some, there are some risks that we take when we share the gospel. And yet I think if perfect love casts out fear, if there is no fear in love, what if our love could somehow just remove that fear and say, you know, Jesus was hated too. He said the world's going to hate you. hated him. 
And yet my personal experience hasn't been that bad. I've had a few kind of negative things happen, but not very much. And I know the feeling. I can remember one time I was driving in a car and there was a, a lady beside me. Uh, we were going out on a work project and she, uh, I wanted so bad to say, I couldn't think of it. It's all these little, you know, ways to break the ice. And I couldn't think of anything. So I just finally thought, what do you think about Jesus? And she looked at me and said, you shouldn't talk about things like that. It's not appropriate in the workplace. And I said, you're right, it's not. I'm sorry about that. But what do you think about Jesus? And she said, well, you know, and we talked for the next hour. <laughs> and you know what? I was scared. <laughs> I don't know why. I just took a chance and threw it out there. And, I, and everything went wrong. And then it went right. So... <sighs> I don't know what to say except just, just try it. And that's the heart. Face, face your giants. I guess that's the thing that I want to say. I remember somebody one time telling me, well, you know, it's harder in America. It's probably a lot easier in Asia. You know, they're, all, they're looking for Jesus over there. And in America, it's so much harder because everybody's, you know, the, the grain is hardened on the stock and nobody's really interested. They don't want to hear and I remember thinking about that, and it's probably true. And I thought, I'm going to sort of test it. Got off the airplane from China, went to get a rental car, and saw the man. I thought, okay, I am going to share the gospel with this man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to, how it's going to work. But I, I thought about it, and, and I, got really, I just couldn't think of anything. It was time to go, and I hadn't done it yet. And I just said, I just said something. I said, well, appreciate what you're doing. God bless you. And, and I said, it, do you think God will bless you? Uh, I took courage to say that. And he said, I don't know. I said, you don't know? What, what, what are you thinking? I don't know. I said, I, I probably should go to church. I've been going to a Mormon church. I'm kind of confused by what they're doing. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of searching. See how we talked for a while, but see how it worked? And I'm thinking, I was on American soil. I was like 30 minutes out of having them check my passport already. And I'm saying, I'm not sure that you need to buy into that. I think it's not that hard. The problem isn't so much that the grain is hardened on the stock, but that there's some kind of fear. There's, a, there's this imaginary giant out there that's preventing us from doing this thing. And so I guess the thing I would just say is have courage and try it, and try it. And the more you do it, it seems like the, the, the giant gets smaller and smaller. It's kind of like, I think I was talking to somebody, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, if you've ever read that story. Remember the wizard? He was this terrible big thing in ball of fire or whatever, and you pull back the curtain, and this little man back there. There's nothing. And I think that the giant's kind of like that. I'm not saying things won't go wrong, the world won't hate you. It probably will. Um, one of the questions I might have is, where did, where did you hear, first hear the gospel? Probably in my home or... Yeah. Who, who told you? My parents. Parents, mom, dad? Uh, probably my mom, I remember. First, maybe your mom. Who, did, who told her? Her first time? Yeah, do you probably think? her parents or mom or dad. Maybe, maybe. Okay, how about you? Uh, I guess I don't know, remember a specific... A specific place or person, I guess. All I know is I was taught it in the home. That's all yeah. I know. But somebody, somebody, I mean, it did just come out of the woodwork, right? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I, yeah, I guess I'd have to 
say dad or mom. I, I don't yeah. know if I could place a definitive one. Yeah. Even church, maybe, but somebody, yeah. And who told them? Who told your parents? Yeah, like I said, you just have to say the same, their parents. Yeah, probably. And who told them? I think on up the line. Well, how far? Was there any breaks in there where nobody ever told anybody? Probably, I guess I don't know. Yeah. yeah. How about um, Norm? Who told you? Well, I can't call a specific time, but it would have been my parents and probably, first of all, my dad. Yeah. He lived it every day yeah. of his life. And uh, he, he called to the deacon's office in the ministry And saw him living? Saw him living it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who told him? More than likely his dad. His dad was also a Christian man and mm-hmm. his dad. So mm-hmm. there would be at least three generations I know of. Um, we're getting back into some old time folk now, 1800s, but uh, they believed in the gospel. Yeah. And the thing, I guess one thing I'm thinking of is that somehow all the way from the very lips of Jesus, the gospel has been handed down person to person to person to person. I know God sometimes reveals and say we, we hear of Muslims who have visions of Jesus and learn still somebody takes that gospel to them. Somebody has to do it. And every one of us have heard because somebody told us most of us in this room heard either from church or our parents, probably all of us, but out there in the countries where we work, almost none of them. Somebody who's a friend told them or a teacher told them or a missionary told them or a neighbor told them. And then the question I have to ask, so who told that neighbor, another neighbor, who told them uh, some, a missionary who told them and all the way, it goes back to the very lips of Jesus. And the thing that we're commissioned with is to tell. None of us would believe if somebody hadn't told us. There are some people who will not believe if we do not tell them. There is a message that the devil has for you, and that is be afraid. People don't want to talk to you about Jesus. Be afraid of people. People don't want you to talk to them about Jesus. Obviously, this is not, that's not a message from Jesus, is it? That's a message I would say from the devil. People in America are too hardened to reach. It's not a message from Jesus. You don't have the ability, you don't have the guts to do it, to speak up. You're no good at it. Those are messages from the devil. And there's a message also from Jesus. Go. Make disciples. Make disciples as you're going. That's the message of Jesus. Some of the last words in the Bible, Revelation 22, about verse 17, the Spirit, think of the groom, maybe it's got the Trinity, the Spirit and all of us, the bride, say what? Oh. Yeah. If you've heard, let him that 
heareth, everybody in here heard, right? Let him that heareth say, come. When was the last time you reached out to somebody and said, come? An unbeliever. An unbeliever. When was the last time? I think as if it's been a while, pray. I remember Judy and I one time, we were sitting in Beijing and most of our work is with people who are already believers, but we like to engage unbelievers also and sometimes get to do that. It had been a while. Judy and I were praying and saying, Lord, you know, it's just been a while since I got to share the gospel with a raw, absolute person who's a total unbeliever. Would you give us somebody? And a short time later, I mean, within hours, I got a phone call asking if we would come down to serve a church in southern China. I didn't make any connection, didn't even think of it. We got on the train, spent all night on the train, and arrived down southern China. When we got there, I kind of thought of that, and we went to a little Bible study. They were all believers, and then and it was kind of basic. Well, you know, there's still time tonight. Could we go do another Bible? So we did another Bible study, and okay, so the next day, I thought we were probably going to leave. I didn't know what was going to happen. But then he said, oh, would you mind coming to this little factory where I work? Okay. So we, his daughter led us through the streets. She stayed way ahead of us because the police were really watching that area. And so we just kind of pretended to be dumb, muddling our way through the alleys, watching this girl who was way ahead leading us the way. She has experienced doing that. She was 12 years old at the time. Took us in this little back door, went into this factory sat in this room, something was going wrong, we thought we were in trouble, we were keeping our angst down, I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do, and then finally we were taken to this great big room, probably as big as this, there were 70 people in there, and our friend came and said, none of these people believe Jesus, could you give them the gospel? (laughs) I prayed for one, God gave me 70, you know, that's how he is, so pray, pray, pray. There's more to the story, how the police came in and everything, but we survived it and it was okay. But they got the gospel message, and so pray. If it's been a little while, pray. I would offer you that. Pray for God to open those doors. Pray for wisdom. Luke 12, verses 11 through 12, Jesus says, Take no thought, meaning do not worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Ghost shall teach you the same hour what you ought to say. I wouldn't worry so much about getting your wordings right, all those kinds of things. I just want to, I want to share two things with you. And Judy, could you write those things on? This, this is something, that's something called the Romans Road, and my Romans Road changes all the time regularly, and I've never actually used it. Well, I, I have actually a couple times, but um, my Roman, so I call it the Roman Road, meaning I roam all over the Bible, and next week it might be something different, but if you want a series of verses that might be helpful for you, sharing the gospel, these might help, but here's the thing that I really want to give you, is build relationships, that's where it really is, you might say, but I'm just not Ray Comfort, I don't know how to do, be, confront people and say, you know, have you commit this, you're lost, here's the way to heaven, that's not my style either, i just not good at that. But you know what you can do is just be a friend. Be a friend to those people, you know, with rings hanging out here and tattoos and whatever. You can be a friend to them, you know. I just was, right before I left Beijing, there's a group of young people and, okay, rings, tattoos, skinny pants. I mean, these are really cool young dudes, uh, hip as can be. And 
they said, hey, you know, we're having some struggles in our life. Uh, you're old, aren't you? And I said, no. And they said, <laughs> they said, well, we want, we want somebody to kind of like do accountability and help us out with some of our problems. And would you do that? And I looked at them. Yeah. I'll do that. Can't wait to get back. Be sure that you have a testimony to tell. I think the best way to reach people's heart is just to have your own, in your heart, testimony. You know what happened. There's only three things you really have to know. Keep it simple. What was your life like before you met Christ? Did you Well, maybe I'll just say this. What was your encounter with Jesus like? What has your life been like since your encounter with Jesus? What was life like before Jesus, your encounter with Jesus, after Jesus? Before Jesus, encounter with Jesus, after Jesus. Just tell your story. People will be interested. There's something we're like scared to death to say the name of Jesus. Who do you think is behind that? My experience is people aren't that bothered by it. Just say it. Just talk about it. And just ask people, you know, they say, so are you Christian? Are you some religion? Okay, yeah. Um, it's just really not that hard to break into it. Yeah, well, we believe Jesus. And um, yeah, you know, Jesus, you could talk to people about their hopes, and there are lots of little icebreakers. But I want to give you this little thing right here that I have found really, really helpful. I got. Well, I don't want to get ahead. I see a lot of people writing here. Let me just hold off just a minute. I'll just say this about your testimony. I recommend you have a 30-second testimony before, during, and after your encounter with Jesus. And then I recommend that you have a three-minute testimony. Practice it so you can say it. Evangelism isn't about manipulation. It's not about high pressure. It's about loving. You just love, 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 love. People see Jesus by your love. This is a really simple, this comes from the wordless picture book. Probably everybody has seen it before, but it really helps keep it fresh in my mind. And you know what? I have used this time and time and time again. We had a group of young men who came to China one time and they wanted to evangelize. How do we do this? We'd never done this before. So we talked about some tools and ways to do it. And said, let's go out. We went out. And it was kind of interesting. Joe, were you along on that trip? When we had a bunch of young men and we... Yeah, and we're working with them. But I still remember that, and I'm thinking, okay, how's this going to work out? You know, so I tell them this. Well, what's going to happen? If, how do we actually do it? And we got out to Lanjo, and I still remember in a restaurant, and the tables were all filled up, and there's only one place left. I sat across from this lady, and hallelujah, God opened up the door. I talked to her, and, and same thing. And she was sitting there, and I just asked her, you know, so what hope do you have in life? Well, I don't really have much hope. So, have you heard of Jesus? Hmm? Jesus? Who's that? I went through and just kind of did this thing through it. Secretly, I was kind of pleased because all those young men were sitting at a table watching. But you know what else? I'm not sure I did that great of a job with it. You all would have probably done a better job than I did. But you know, here's the thing is that every single one of those young men, the goal was that they wouldn't go home without sharing the gospel using a method like this or like this. 
Okay, and every single one of them got to. I remember there was one young man the very last night who hadn't got to do it yet, and he was feeling kind of disappointed, resigned, but it just wasn't his thing, he just wasn't his gift or whatever. And then a friend brought an unbeliever there who, his, his question was, could you tell me the gospel? I just never heard it. So we all kind of turned to this young man and said, here's your opportunity. Everybody got to share. They got to do it. I hope everybody will get to do something tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, the next week or the following week. Okay? I like this. This story is so simple to tell. There is a heaven. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. That's what Christians believe. It's a glorious place. We all want to go there. Peace, happiness, no tears, no fear, no worries. It's a good place of rest. Eternal rest. But there's a problem. You can't go there. Because we have a problem. Sin in our lives. Sin in our life. Here's some, some scriptures you can use if it's appropriate to do that. I wouldn't use scriptures the first time I tell the story. We have sin in our lives, but there's a solution for that. God loved us so much. He, he gave His own Son. Jesus came in form of a man and He died on a cross. He shed His blood to cover our sins, to wash our sins away, make us white, fresh, and pure. Oh, it's good to know everything's okay in my Father's house. Fresh, pure. That's wonderful, wonderful. And that's not all. Then He also gives us green, abundant life. Joy. Promise of a future. Hope. 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 Very simple. Wordless picture book. Many of you probably have it. Many of you probably heard it. It's a great way to share the Gospel. I think one other thing I want to, to mention here is that Brother Norman has been talking about Jesus is. When you talk about Jesus, he says, I am. And something I, that you said, Norman, keeps ringing in my ear. When you talk about Jesus, speak of Him in the present tense. What I mean by that is don't say, well, Jesus died on the cross and so that was then or something has happened. Or you say, Jesus is now. Jesus is holding the universe together now. He is sitting at the Father's throne right now. He is interceding for His people right now. He is the mediator of a new covenant. He is coming back. And the question really is, what do you think Jesus is doing right now? That's a, not a bad question to ask people. If you can open up the topic of Jesus, get there quickly. What do you think Jesus is doing right now? We're moving very quickly to that reality. Jesus wasn't was. Jesus is. He is. I am. I'm going to quit because it's time. I want time for this panel only to say this. Toss the gospel over the fence to your neighbor. Just be a friend. Stand at the fence and toss it over. But then invite them into your house. If there's one thing that I would like to see happen, how many families, how many people represented here, how many churches could be started? I'm just wondering what would happen if you would invite some Hispanic people or some African American people or some people from Nigeria or some immigrants that come from Liberia or somebody who comes from Nicaragua. If you could invite them, and I don't have time now, I could tell you story after story after story. If you could just invite one into your house and you could tell them, well, we pray before we eat. Does that be okay? And then pray before you eat and say, what do you do? 
Do you believe? And see if you can't build a little bit of something going on there and some hope and see if you can't begin to share Jesus. Open up the door to share Jesus. And as you begin to share Jesus, they're going to believe. It's going to happen if you keep doing it. And when you get one that believes, then you'll have another. And they'll have, what I do when I tell people this is I say, okay, I told you that story. It's kind of interesting. Can you say it back to me? And I have them say it back to me. Say, so, okay, now can you tell somebody else? Because other people want to know what Christians believe too. Could you tell them what Christians believe? And so I have them do that. And so I have people who are atheists and Buddhists and Hindus who are telling the gospel to their neighbors. Why not? Why not? When those people come to your house, then more will come. And you might as well have a Bible study. You got five or six already, and then you got 10 or 15. Maybe it's time then to build a little church. Maybe their culture or whatever aren't going to walk in our doors, at least not and stay there long term. I wish I could be. Maybe it just won't be right now. But you know what can be? They can have their own. You can be the one. And I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How many churches could we start right here?